You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Well, this morning, um, I felt like the Lord wanted me to share about, is that ringing? Sorry. Um, I felt like the Lord wanted me to share about strongholds. And um, all that, that's not a real exciting thing to talk about. It is when you get set free from one, right? And so that's what our church is about. That's what Freedom Christian Fellowship stands for. And um, just raise your hand real quick if you've been set free from anything. You ever been set free? Everybody, everybody. But you know what? There's constantly things that God brings up that, that he says, you know, you'd really be better without that in your life. You know, you could make more room for him, and we could make more room for him if we would um, get some other things out of our lives. Well, one of the things that God showed me was, uh, and this is kind of a, I guess, a weird uh, way. I don't know. God showed it to me, so I guess it's not weird. But um, I was sitting there thinking about something that I was struggling with, and um, the Lord showed me, like, my house, picturing me. I was sitting on my chair looking at my, around my house, and the Lord showed me to look at my front door. And I looked at my front door, and um, I began to see in my mind this picture of if I were to, and I have done this before, not meaning to, literally, I have left the door open all night, like open, not unlocked, open. And um, I remembered that time when I did that, and I was terrified of what might have slithered in, you know, I was really scared. And, uh, but the Lord showed me that, and so I wanted you to picture with me your house and your doors. I have two doors. I have a front door and a side door. Y'all got maybe two or three doors or whatever, but you have windows and we have doors. The reason we have a home or any kind of a shelter is to keep what out? The elements, the rain, the, uh, the snow, the wind, whatever, um, and to keep out critters, of course, and to keep out criminals. That's why we have a home. And you might say, well, you know, there's people that don't even have homes. They have tents or whatever. Hey, if I'm in a tent, I'm zipping that baby up. I want it protecting me, right? And that's why we wear coats and things to protect us. I know this sounds so elementary, but I'm going somewhere with this. Think about if you were to come into your house and whatever is overwhelming you, let's say something happened at work or you're going through a terrible time in your marriage or in your family or, you know, you're just depressed, you're sad, or you've got anxiety, you know, something's going on and you get so focused on that thing that's going on in your life that you come in and you sit down in your chair and when it's time to get up and go lock up, you just leave the door unlocked. So let's say you come home the next day from where you leave to go to work and you come home the next day and you walk in and you don't shut the door behind you. And so day after day, you know, life just becomes like, you know, I'm just focused on this thing. I got to get this thing dealt with. And so little by little, you're leaving this door open every day. Pretty soon you got squirrels, you've got snakes, you've got uh everything, every kind of critter, you got hopping stuff, creeping stuff, all these things, and all of a sudden, you're not feeling real comfortable in your home anymore, right? You're feeling a little bit unsafe, and then it's like it rains. Well, we had the flood. We saw what that did. What if you left your door open during all that? Some people, it came in anyway, and so we have the elements that start coming in. Well, let's say you're two weeks down the road, and oh my gosh, you can't even get to the sink because there's a possum in it. You know, there's stuff everywhere, and they're messy. These are animals now. You know, so they've overtaken your home. You see where I'm going with this? They've overtaken your home. Well, the next thing you know, there's some guy that comes driving by, and he's like, that idiot lady's been keeping her door open for weeks. I'm going to go, maybe she don't live there anymore. Let's go see what she's got. And so he comes in. 
Well, then I'm really panicked because now I'm hiding in the back corner of my house and I am trapped. Sometimes we get into such a situation mentally or physically or emotionally where we are absolutely trapped and begin to feel paralyzed. Now, none of you may be going through that, maybe have, maybe never will, but you may know somebody that does. And let me tell you, yesterday when the Lord was, was speaking this message to me, right in the middle of it, I started thinking, I said, Lord, I, I, you know, everybody, they already know this message. They, you know, I don't know. It was, it was this wrong, you know, to do this or whatever. And my phone rang. And one of my widow friends was squalling her eyes out. I mean, she was weeping about something that had happened to her. And she was devastated. And she had already fought a battle with alcoholism and won. And yet something else had come into her life. And she was ready to quit. And, you know, I thought, we need this message. We need to hear it over and over and over again. Because it only takes one little thought to get in our heads to start making a mess in our house. And the next thing you know, we're trapped. Let's look at... um, Jeremiah 16, 19 says, O Lord, my strength and my stronghold, my refuge in the day of trouble. In the Old Testament, the strong, God is the stronghold. Well, he is in the New Testament too, but it talks more about him being the stronghold in the Old Testament. And a stronghold was like, back then was like a fortress or a castle, something with, um, that was fortified to protect from attack. In Proverbs eighteen ten, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and we run into that. When you get so overwhelmed, uh, what's that, that song about being overwhelmed? And it leads us to the rock. It leads us to that we run to the strong tower, God. Um, some people don't know to do that, though. We might think everybody knows that, but some people may not know to do that. In Psalms 9-9, it says, The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in the times of trouble. So in the Old Testament, we talk, he talks about being a stronghold and a tower. And that's a good thing. In the New Testament, the word that's used for stronghold is something that weighs us down. It's something that we are trapped in. It's a thought or a mentality or something that, um, that we can't let go of. In the New Testament, God teaches us about strongholds. We create for ourselves when we don't protect our minds from the enemy. You know, we have eye gate, ear gate, and mouth gate. I know y'all have heard that before. That's where things come in. It's things we see, things we hear, things we ingest into our body that can become a trap. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not the flesh, are not of the flesh, but we have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy strongholds and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. That's where it happens. You know, we have a thousand bazillion thoughts that go through our heads every day, every minute of the day. But just because we have a wrong thought that comes across doesn't mean we sinned, right? It went across. But what we have to do is when we let it linger and it starts to affect us, then we have to do what the Bible says to capture that thought. When that thought comes across, you grab it and you say, wait a minute. No, I'm not taking that anxiety thought today. 
I am not going to walk in anxiety today or whatever the problem is. Trouble begins in our thoughts. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And there's a word that they use in, uh, that the Bible uses in pause, selah, pause to think. It begins with what we think. It's so simple to just dismiss so many things. I mean, we think, you know, our minds are so active nowadays. We have so much going on. We have so much media, all this stuff going on, that we have to stop sometimes and pause and think, do I really want that thought in my head? You know, there's certain things that I don't like to watch on television or at a movie because it freaks me out. I don't like to be, I don't like those movies where I'm the only one left and it's the end of the world. You know, and they're trying to survive. I mean, you know, I hate that stuff. My kids hate that stuff, you know. There's other people that like, you know, the detective, detective stuff, like my little friend over here. And, <laughs> and I enjoyed some of that with her. I actually did. I didn't get freaked out. But there have been things through the years that I've chose not to watch or chosen not to um, be a part of because it bothered me. And you know what those things are. I mean, if you can't handle depression, don't, and, you know, you're looking for a mate, don't watch Hallmark right now. Just don't. You know, don't, Andy doesn't want to watch it. <laughs> Sorry, Kim. <laughs> I mean, how many ways can the guy and the girl get together, for real, you know? I mean, it's like you know what's going to happen in about the first five minutes. But, you know, really, if that kind of stuff depresses you, don't watch that or whatever, you know, whatever it is that bothers you. Um, if you have a problem with money, don't watch QVC too much. Um, <laughs> God knows our every thought. Now, this is something to do a Selah and pause about. God knows our every single thought, and he still loves us unconditionally. We've had some thoughts, haven't we? Some we don't want to think about. I have a friend at work, and I love her so much. She's so precious. And she said she, brought, she was brought up where she heard the, um, the teaching that at the end of time that there was going to be this giant movie screen and all of her sins would be displayed for all the world to see. <laughs> she was devastated by that. She really, you know, I had to go, oh, my gosh, no, no, no. We're not going to be judged for our sins. We're Christians. We're not going to be judged for our sins. Jesus took care of the sin at the cross. But you know what? That tormented her. That was a real torment for her. And so we have to think about the fact that everything we've ever done, everything we've ever thought, everything we've ever hated about ourselves or hated about our life, that Jesus knows that and he loves us unconditionally. That's a huge deal. I don't know any other people that love us unconditionally. Do you? Mostly it's conditions. As we grow up, we begin to create mindsets for ourselves. And you know, that it's so funny, that word, it really means just how you set your mind. But it, mindset, it does have a, a definition. It says the established set of attitudes held by someone. When you were growing up, you began to get attitudes. We all did. We had some good attitudes and we had some bad attitudes. But it began to become part of us and part of who we are. And then it's a fixed mental attitude or a disposition that predetermines a person's responses to and interpretations of situations. I'm the type of person, if I order something at a restaurant and my food comes back weird, I just kind of pick around it, eat it, I don't know, whatever, ask whoever's next to me if I can have some of theirs. I'm not going to cause a scene at a restaurant. I'm just not. I mean, I'm just, that's just how I was raised. But there are other people who I've been to restaurants with that they are all about getting it fixed. 
and in short order. I'm thinking I'm not going to make a mag because I don't want to do something else to my food, you know. But, I mean, we come up with those attitudes and how we deal with situations. There are some of us in the situation of a crisis, we are on it. Man, we are in there. We're getting it taken care of. Then we go home and fall apart. And then there's others of us that stand back like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But then in other situations, different situations, we're exactly what we need to be. And so everybody's different. And we have to remember when someone's acting out at your job, your place of business, wherever you are, or just at a random place, somebody's acting out, usually they've got something going on in their life. And we have to remember that. I mean, right now, I just almost got hit this morning coming to church. This lady was driving on my side of the road. You know, I mean, literally, I guess she's checking her phone. I don't know, but I'm like, yeah, lady, I had no place to go, you know. Well, finally she looked up and got over in a split second. But we have no idea what's going on in people's lives. So we have to take care of us, and we have to be ready and prepared to meet whatever comes our way. A person's way of thinking, and it's also our opinions, our thoughts and beliefs. You have a belief system that you grew up with. I had a belief system that I grew up with, and I've had to tweak it a little bit because I was raised very, very, very legalistic. And there's two, there's a, there's um, a couple of ways that that's really not good. One is that uh, that you try so hard to do everything perfect, which perfection is not going to happen. You know what I'm saying? We're broken people. We're not going to be perfect. Another thing is is that when you do feel like you've achieved it, you get a little bit of pride going. Well, you know what's coming after the pride, right? Okay, so either one of those are not good. And so legalism was a real difficult thing for me. And I've had years come overcoming that to where I could feel the peace of God and be who God made me to be and stop trying to be who I think everybody else wants me to be. And I know some of you have probably dealt with that, too. It is a frame of mind or an outlook, an inclination or a habit. Whatever your mindset is, it can be forever changed by having the mind of Christ. If you, if you walk around saying, well, that's just the way I am, like it or love it, leave it, whatever, you know, that's just the way I am. That's okay in some things, but when it comes to the Lord and our relationship with him, that's really not okay. We need to begin to ask ourselves, you know, what, what do I need to change? What needs to change about me, Lord? You know, the only reason we're here and we come to church is because we are trying to get set free so that we can go into the world where we go in our places and we can help other people be set free, right? That's what it's about. So if I'm a total mess and I can't even get it together at all, I can't really help the next person. I mean, I have my days. I have my times. I'll be glad to tell you all about it. I mean, I have it. I have struggles. But the thing is, is that, uh, and there's a book that came out I love. I can't, Amy, what's that girl's name that wrote Wash Your Face? Who? Rachel Hollis. Some of y'all got to see her. She wrote a book called Girl, Wash Your Face. That is my life. You get back up every morning and you wash your face and you wash your tears away and you start over. That's what we do. And in the spirit, you do that. You get up, you dust yourself off, and you say, you know, I kind of blew it yesterday, but I'm starting over again today. By the grace of God, I'm going to get through this. And that's what we do. And people are watching you to see how you get up. They know you're going to fall. They're kind of okay when you do fall. They don't care, mostly. But they really wake up and pay attention when they see how you get up. 
when you get up, you dust yourself off and you say, you know what, I didn't do that right yesterday, but today I'm going to give it another shot and I'm going to try to do better again today. What does the word say about our minds? He says that God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. So if you want perfect peace, you got to get your mind on God. And I know that sounds so like we have so much to think about. How do we do that? But there is a way to keep God present with you. There is a way by constantly talking to him in your heart and talking to him in your mind. Romans 12.2 says, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. So our mind can be renewed. We know that. We've heard that over and over and over. We can be made new again. You know, we fail, we falter, we get in a wrong mindset, we get in a wrong attitude. There is nothing difficult about 1 John 1, nine. If we confess that, which means just to name it, confess our sins, he says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That works, doesn't it? We've all done it. We've all done that so many times. Romans 8.5 says, For those who live according to the flesh are the worldly mindset. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set your mind on the flesh is death. But to set your mind on the Spirit is life and peace. And in Deuteronomy 30, 15, it says, choose life. Today I set before you death and life. And he says, and I'm going to give you a tip, choose life. Life is good. Choose life. Because we do that every day. We have to choose between death, things we hear, things we see. It can bring death to us, not physical death, but but spiritual spiritual problems and, and stuff that we don't want in our minds. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your mind on things above and not the things that are on the earth. And I have a little drawing here. I didn't have a place really to put it. But the same old thinking ends up being the same old results. And then we go right back to the same old uh, thinking and the same old results. You know what that's called? Insanity. It's called insanity. The, the counselors call it looping, but it's really called insanity. We're doing the same thing acting the same way, and expecting a different result. We have to change that. We have to renew that. And God is the only one that can help us do that. You know, you can wish yourself into some things, but you can't wish yourself into everything. Some things we have to do by faith. By faith. Where's our faith? How strong is our faith? We've always learned that faith is like a muscle. If I don't go to the gym, which I haven't been, my muscles are flab. There's no, there's no tone to them. But spiritually speaking, if I'm not going to work that muscle, my faith is not going to work for me. When I need to, when I need to some, do some spiritual lifting, that muscle is not going to work for me. And we have to constantly be working on our faith. Use your faith about things. Use your faith. We set things all the time. We set a timer. If you set a timer and, um, you know, it's too long, you're going to have a problem. We set our watches. If it's wrong, like this morning, we messed up. You know, we didn't get here on time. Um, we set cement. A long time ago, they set hair gel with dippity-doo. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all do. <laughs> there are things that we set all the time. We want it a certain way, and we want it to stay a certain way. We have to have that attitude with our minds. My mind needs to be set on Christ, not on everything else that pushes me and shoves me and tries to make me into its mold and the enemy, the things that he tells me. You know, we have to set our minds on that. What is your mind set on? Is Right now, is your mind set on the past? Or are you thinking about the future today or next week or next year? Are you thinking about that? Or are you present? 
And, you know, in relationships and family relationships and friendships, sometimes with all this media stuff, we're not very present. You know, we're there, but we're not present. I remember I lived with a friend of mine for a little while, and um, her and her husband were over on this side, and they were, you know, watching TV, and I was over here. And we were texting each other back and forth. I was like, how ridiculous is this? We're in the same room. And we were laughing about it. But we were not present with one another. We were just texting back and forth. It was just goofy, you know. But that's where we are. And we have, we have a problem that we don't want to be uh, very present. It's so easy to escape. We have to be careful with that. Are you in worry or fear this morning, or are you in faith? I have to ask myself that all the time. Am I in worry? Am I in fear? Am I in anxiety, or am I having faith? The word of God, the words of man, which are you thinking about? Are we thinking about what God says in his word, or are we thinking about what somebody else said to us that messed us up? We have to remember that we have to be present with the word of God in us. We need that. We're going to need it today, tomorrow, until we die and leave this earth. We're going to need that. What God thinks about us or what other people think about us, that is huge. That's a big say law for me. Pause, take a break, think about it. I am so concerned a lot of my life about what other people think of me, my decisions, what I do, how I think, how anything, how I do my work. I'm so concerned about what other people think of me because for so many years, I've been so performance-oriented. Anybody like that? You grew up having to perform. My daddy wanted it perfect, and that was difficult for me, but I tried really hard. So I've carried that over to my adult life, and I'm having to renew my mind that the only thing that's important is how God feels about me and what he says about me. But that's a real hard lesson to learn if you've not been already uh, taught the right way about that. The wrong setting can be disastrous. Now just think about, if you have a really delicate fabric and you throw it in the high heat, what's going to happen? You're not probably going to wear that. It won't look too good if you do. If you have uh, your microwave set wrong for your popcorn, it's not going to smell good. I mean, if I go, I went to the movies the other night and I could smell they had scorched the popcorn. That was it for me. I didn't want any popcorn. I don't like that. If you have your cruise control set too high and you're not paying attention, you're looking for a crash or a ticket, one or the other, or a real fast break. So we have to have our minds set on the right things, or we can have a a wreck. Spiritually speaking, we can have a wreck. So how does a stronghold get started? I know y'all have probably watched, God bless them, the, the hoarder people. I'm telling you, it breaks my heart. I cry when I see that. Some of the episodes have just torn me apart. You wonder, how, I know in everybody's mind you're thinking, how did that get started? They didn't wake up in that house like that where they don't even have room for, to get in their bed. That is so, so sad to me. Somewhere, somehow, and usually the counselors can get to it. <coughs> Excuse me. The counselors are there to help them to find out where something got broken. Something in their life hurt them so desperately or they got in such a a mental twist that they were not able to go forward the right way and they began to hold on to things 
And we do that sometimes. We may not hoard things, but we may hoard people's attitudes or, or, or do they pay attention or how many likes do we get on Facebook? We hoard those attention things because something in us is needing attention. But you know who gives us all the attention we need and the right kind is the Father. He's the one that wants to give us all that attention. Strongholds start with one thought. Wow. How many thoughts would we like to go back and erase, kick out of our minds and say, you know, I wish I would have never thought that. I wish I would have never entertained that. People all over the world today could probably say, there was this one thought that I had that if I could go back and erase it, it would have changed my entire life. But is it too late? No, it's not too late. That's the incredible thing about God. It's never too late. It's never too late to turn to him because then that thought became more thoughts like that and eventually to an action and then another and then all of a sudden we have a habit. We have a stronghold. A stronghold begins with a simple thought like this. One time is not going to hurt. One time is not going to hurt. I heard a story this week. I went to uh, the movies to see the story about Russ Taff and how that he had never, ever drank a drop in his life. His dad was a preacher. He grew up in a strong Pentecostal family. Well, his dad somehow had to have a surgery. I forget it was for, but he had to have surgery. And they sent his dad home with pain pills. And this was, you know, way back in the, I guess, 60s or whatever, 70s. And he, when those pain pills were done, he wasn't done with the pain pills. And so he began to medicate with alcohol. Well, he was the pastor and he started having this, you know, now the family has to hide. And this little Russ, who's this amazing, amazing singer, won Grammys, Dove Awards, you know, just all this grand fame in the 70s. He was nine years old. He didn't know what was happening to his dad. And so one of his friends came over and said, he told me, he said, you know, my mom and dad just started fighting, and they never did fight before. Well, the next thing you know, someone comes and talks to the family, and this little boy is getting beaten by his mother because he told a family secret, but he didn't even know what the secret was. So from that, now, from that time on, he began to have to not only deal with his parents' brokenness and what his dad was going through, then he said he was out on the road, he was singing for the Lord, just just such a worshipful man. He said he had no will in his heart to ever be like his dad was. And he said he came in from running one afternoon, and he said he opened the, the hotel refrigerator door, and there was a beer in there, and that's, that's all it was. There was no water or anything. And he said, I just thought, it's, it's just one. Uh, nobody knows. I'm just really thirsty. He said he grabbed it, opened it, and drank it down. And he said for one split second, he didn't hurt about his family anymore. And then it was another and another and another. And then he was hiding behind this great Christian ministry of singing for the Lord that he had dying inside every night suffering because he had too become what his dad was. And it was such a devastation for him. And in his older years, he finally got to the point where he said, God, I don't care who knows, I got to have help. And he let his guard down, and he began to get help. And today he is free. You get a chance to watch that movie. You watch that. That man gave his heart to God in every way. But the enemy will take anything he can to trip you up or trip someone up that you love. 
And we have to be there for that. We have to be there. We have to be the one that steps up and says, you know what? We've all been there. We've all been there. There's no, there's no room for pride and there's no room for not caring. We have to be there. We may not be struggling with that, but then we may. You know what I'm saying? Never say never. We don't know what the enemy tries to do. I just had to share that because it was just such a, a, a huge story. And he is, his marriage is restored. His kids are great. He's sharing his testimony and reaching tons of people through his, his story. Another thing that a stronghold says is, I'm not hurting anyone. I'm not, hurt, I'm not hurting anyone else. Just leave me alone. I'm fine. No one will know. Or I can stop. I can stop. I, you know, I'm good. I can stop. Or I'm just curious. I just want to know. Or it's my life. When you get to this point, this is the hard part. I, this is my life, and I'll do whatever I want to do. Because then when it all falls apart, you were the one that said, it's my life. I'll do what I want to do. But we all do that in different ways. These simple thoughts can potentially open a door to all kinds of other thoughts until a habit is created. So if you think you have a stronghold, now what? 2 Corinthians 10.4 says we're in a spiritual battle. Our weapons are not physical. They're spiritual. And we have to ask for God's power and the Holy Spirit to help us with that. We don't use the world's strategy. We're not fighting against people. It's not the person at work that drives you crazy, that constantly is making comments towards you or hurting your feelings or trying to one-up you on everything at work. That's not your enemy. The devil is your enemy, and I know you know that, but I think we need to constantly be reminded it's not the person. We have to stop getting angry at the person. It's the enemy. We fight with the word and through power. The battle is the Lord's. The first thing we need to do is identify the root of the stronghold. What, are the, what is the root Russ Taft's stronghold was not alcohol. His stronghold was pain. That was what the problem was. The drinking was, was just an outer representation of what was going on inside. 1 John 1, 9, ask God to forgive you when you realize you have this stronghold. And he's going to help you. He's not condemning you. He wants to help you. Where did you open the door? Was it your eye gate, your ear gate, or your mouth gate? Where did we leave the door open? And I'm preaching this to me. It's not, this, is, this is a lot of what I deal with. Close the door through prayer and take back the ground that we gave the enemy. You know, if we open the door to it, we give the enemy a place to stick his foot in. And once he does that, it's really, it gets a lot harder to get away. It's going to take some time, but remember, it took a while to get the habit. It takes a little time to get out of it. But everything, everything comes out through prayer. That's why that's going to be so important for us to, to spend time in prayer as a corporate body and individually. So practically speaking, on a daily basis, when the thought comes, what are we supposed to do? Capture that thought. Make it obey the Word of God. You know, it's so. sometimes we just think we're so lazy mentally. I am so lazy mentally. And the Lord wants me to take that thought and dash it. Stop it. Capture it. Make it make it bow to the word. Decide to have the mind of Christ regarding this situation. What does the word say about it? Argue or agree. I'm sorry. Argue with the enemy. Agree with the word. Agree with the word about what he says about that. Choose to change your mind. Repentance. That's just turning around. 
you know, people say, well, the big word repentance is so scary. No, it's not. It's when you say, you know what? I went all this way and it was wrong. I'm turning around and going back the other way. That's all repentance is and meaning it. So think on these things. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 8, and 9, this is a list of things to think about. When you are dealing with anxiety, fear, anger, whatever you're dealing with, think on these things. Whatever is true, think of something that's honorable, that's just, that's pure, that's beautiful, that's lovely, something that's commendable, something that's excellent. Look at your grandkids. Think about things that that you love about them, something worthy of praise. And the promise is in verse 9, If you practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. So when you get in that crunch time where you're really struggling with anxiety or fear or envy or whatever is going on, or you've got an addiction that you can't seem to kick, this is what you need to do. Pull out this list of whatever is true, whatever is honorable. If you start thinking on those things, the other things are going to go. You can't think on both at the same time. It won't happen. And this is our maintenance plan. Um, Brad, if you have that video... Did it come up? I'm going to show a video in just a minute. It's a real short one. But this is the maintenance plan. You're going to get a new mindset. You're going to set your mind in Christ like cement. Set your mind in Christ. You know, there's some things we can be lackadaisical about. This is not one of them. We have to set our minds in Christ like cement. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you every day, all day. When the old thought comes, capture it. Remember the negative effects it's had on your life before. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. What is your mindset? When that comes up and you start feeling all these emotions, okay, what is my mind thinking about? What is it set on? And remember this, there's no condemnation. None. For what you've done, for what you're thinking about doing, for anything that's wrecked your life, there is no condemnation. Y'all need to say that with me. There is no condemnation. God is not condemning you. He's the one you run to. The enemy would have you say, well, God's going to get me, so I'm not going to go to him. God is who helps you. That's who we're going to go to. Just say no. And avoid the people, the places, and the things that make you want this attitude or this, this addiction or whatever it is. Get away from that. Get away from that. And ask God to bring new people and new places and new things in your life to start over. You know what, that's what's so awesome, and I'm going to, uh, if that video works, it's just a, a, a great, great little clip about small groups and what it did for this man in Austin. Continually picture your life without this situation in it. Think about the stronghold, the thing that gets you every time, whether it's an addiction, whether it's uh, a mindset, it's uh, something you get angry about, something you get frustrated about, something you hate, whatever it is. Stop and try to picture yourself without that in your life. That's freedom. That's freedom. Very important, you must replace your old thoughts with new ones. Pray always and don't quit. If you fall, get back up. Girl, wash your face. Get back up, wash your face, and get going again. Maintain your peace. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Shut the door to the past. Go home to your house, we're figuratively speaking, go home to your house and get all that out. Remember after the flood, everybody had to muck out their houses and get all that stuff out and get it clean and ready to go again. That's what you need to do. And the important thing is, is that once you clean that out, 
put something good back in its, in its place because the enemy loves a vacuum. He loves, if you take something out of your life that was hurtful and painful, he wants to put something right back in there. But what you want to do is to put the, his word, happy thoughts, happy people, great things in that spot. The word of God, that's what's going to keep you happy. That's what's going to keep you going. And this is a great illustration of how um, just reaching out to someone and letting God change their life, watching God change their life.